Happy Friday, everybody. This is Tanner from TamManBaseballFan.com. I wasn't going to uh, record a podcast tonight. I was just going to walk around and, and listen to a few podcasts as well um, of other people. But I kind of got inspired to talk a little bit um, about something. And uh, <clears throat> it was kind of uh, uh, because of the person that was being interviewed, um, I have kind of a, a tie with. So um, I uh, remember probably, I'm <laughs> completely guessing here, but probably about half a year ago or so, I was interviewed by Beckett Radio. And uh, in the same episode, um, uh, Evan Mathis, a uh, Super Bowl champion, was uh, being interviewed as well. And he uh, he is known not only for uh, playing football and uh, you know everything that comes along with it, but also being an avid baseball card collector, sports card collector. One of the cards that uh, he had, which had gone up for auction uh, several months ago, was his PSA 9 1952 Tops Mickey Mantle. And uh, kind of got my juices flowing here to, to talk about just how beautiful it is and, and the story behind it and um, how a lot of people here, I think, in the hobby... Uh, can get some amazing cards, uh, amazing key Hall of Fame cards, uh, if uh, they just kind of change their habits of buying. So I'll talk to you about that a little bit later. But for now, um, let's uh, let's focus on the 52 Tops Mail. There's uh, uh, two versions of it, um, and the one way that I can remember. Uh, that you can tell is that the uh, the yellow square on the left that has uh, the Yankee logo, if I remember correctly, um, I don't have my copy in front of me right now because I'm walking, but I think that's uh, how it goes. Is uh, one has uh, you know no black line at the bottom, another version has the ha- has a black line at the bottom uh, to complete the square around the yellow uh, uh, to complete the yellow square's uh, outline. So. Um, very, uh, uh, the one that's got the, uh, um, the complete border around that yellow square has, uh, has bolder colors. And, uh, you know, either way, you're not going to lose <laughs> if you have one or the other. It's just a very subtle difference. And there are a few other little differences as well. But, um, anyways, I want to talk a little bit about the history of the card itself. Um, very cool. Um, it's, uh, obviously, uh, you know, tops the first, uh, real set that they came out with was 1952 and in 1951 they had the red backs and blue backs and they did other things uh before that as well but 1952 is really kind of their you know the the genesis of tops as far as creating uh full sets and so you know the competitor was was bowman and i believe that tops bought bowman at somewhere uh somewhere down the road but anyway so uh 1952 tops was uh, was uh, being was pretty popular. A lot of it was selling a lot, and uh, so they said, "Okay, let's do uh, let's do another series." So at the end of the year, uh, they created another series, um, <coughs> and uh, Mickey Mail was in it. And the problem was was it didn't sell, and it's my understanding that's because uh, football was uh, was going, and I think World Series was close to being over or something um if i remember correctly and uh yeah i mean it just uh it was kind of a dud and so uh uh over the next uh several years 
uh, from what I from what I recall. Um, they were stored in the Topps warehouse, and there were just cases and cases and cases of the stuff. And I think Cy Berger uh, had actually talked about this before, how back then that he or somebody else or maybe a few people uh, would go to carnivals around 58, 59, 60, something like that, and try to sell these cards like 10 for a penny or something, and nobody really would want them. <laughs> so, man, if I had a time machine, if anybody out there listening has a time machine, please let me know, and we'll, uh, uh, we'll make a lot of money together. But um, anyway, so ultimately uh, what, what happened is, uh, is they uh, uh, couldn't get rid of them, so they decided to uh, pack them up on a, on a barge, ship them out to sea, and dump them in the ocean. And, uh, you know, <laughs> just imagine if, uh, if those, uh, cases and cases of 1952 tops were in some sort of like a, um, you know, waterproof, uh, casing or something like that. They could be, uh, there could be millions and millions of dollars, uh, of baseball cards at the bottom of the ocean. So, uh, you know, all that to say it's, uh, it's not just that it's an iconic set and it's not just that it's the, you know, uh, the first uh, top set that was ever made, the first Mickey Mantle card uh, of tops that was ever made. Uh, and also, by the way, there's a lot of controversy uh, whether the 51 Bowman, uh, you know, the 51 Bowman Mantle is his rookie, uh, but a lot of controversy if the 52 tops is um, as well. Eh, I don't really have any problem with people saying, uh, with people calling that his rookie or not. It's, uh, yeah, I don't think technically it can be called that, but, you know, look, we've got, you know, nowadays we have, uh, like Alex Bregman, for instance, I think we've got some, uh, 2010 Bowman cards of his that we call his rookie, but we also have 2017 tops. <laughs> it's a seven year spread right there. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm personally not in the camp that I'm going to, uh, cry foul. If somebody, uh, says, the 52 tops is or is not his rookie um, as well. But anyhow, uh, it's a uh, obviously an iconic card from an iconic set. And, uh, uh, you know, anybody who's anybody in the hobby says that, uh, you know, it's the uh, number one post-war card, uh, you know, ever. Like the most popular card. Uh, you know, it's, it's basically the, uh, the Mona Lisa of uh, baseball cards aside from the... Uh, T206 Wagner, and uh, which, you know, you put those two together, I mean, uh, everything else is like, uh, you know, pales in comparison as far as the notoriety of the actual card itself. Um, the benefit of the 52 Tops Mantle is, uh, number one, that, you know, you could, you know, it's not really out of reach for a regular collector to pick one up. So you can have uh, one that's actually in decent shape, very low grade, even even altered or something, perhaps for around ten grand or less. Uh, there's some that are like wildly beat up with the borders that are cut off, or you know, uh, I think I saw one that had like an honest to goodness hole right in the middle of it, and you know, uh, I think I saw one that looked like a <laughs> Santa Claus version where they kind of erased the beard area of uh, of them, and it's kind of a kind of a funny, uh, you know, car as well, but, um, you know, you do something like that and those, uh, you know, 52 tops of animals can be, uh, around, uh, you know, five, six, seven grand. 
uh, in much rougher shape. So, um, you know, that's, you know, look, don't get me wrong. I know that's a lot of money. I know that's a lot of money, uh, even for like a beat to heck uh, 1952 tops mantle card. But, um, uh, but the great thing is, is it's not completely 100% out of reach. Like perhaps a uh, T206 Wagner could be in any grade, like cut in half or something like that. You know, that's a, a cut in half Wagner could probably uh, easily bring uh, tens of tens of tens of thousands of dollars, uh, if I had to guess. So, anyways, all that to say, and it's kind of funny um, because you look on uh, on eBay uh, in the sold listings. Like I think, like last time I checked, it was like every single day. There were raw 1952 Topps Mantle rookies. Oh, there I go. I called a, I called a rookie, didn't I? Um, anyways, 52 Topps Mantles uh, that are being sold every single day uh, that are uh, fake in their reprints. But the way that they're uh, advertised is, you know, um, well, I got this in a collection or my grandpa had it and... Uh, you know, but I'm going to go ahead and say it's a reprint, but you be the judge, you know. And so basically people get duped on this card day in and day out, like nobody's business, like more so than any other card out there. And, uh, which is pretty amazing to me. Like and these cards will sell for two, three, four, five hundred $500 and they're fake. You know, I'm just thinking that's, uh, that's shocking. So first of all, you know, shame on the people that are selling, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a testament to uh, the uh, popularity of the card, and uh, you know, no doubt, it's a card that will uh, that will continue to rise in value. And uh, you know, that's what happens with these uh, with these key cards. Now, now, don't get me wrong; there are cards out there that will uh, you know outperform the mantle, um, like we just saw an i6. Uh, uh, Jeter, uh, uh, select certified mirror gold, uh, only 30 copies out there in PSA 10 format, uh, go for, uh, uh, $202,000. So obviously you can buy, you know, a handful of low grade mantles for that price. Uh, but you know, all things considered also you put a, a PSA nine, uh, mantle, uh, 52 tops mantle against that. Then, you know, the one, for instance, for Evan, you know, the one that he sold, he got 2.7 million or 2.8 million dollars for it, you know, and uh, and he even thought that was a little low as far as how much it would go for. So that kind of goes to show you, like, yeah, there are other cards that can go for a lot of money. I mean, you, you think like a low grade 52 dollars mail versus like a PSA 10 anything, you think the low grade mail would uh, blow the doors off anything else, but uh, yeah, it's just not the case. Um, but then again. There are significantly more 52 tops males out there uh, than, you know, like that 96 G that's only got 30 copies. So, um, kind of cool to think about uh, that the 52 tops mantle is uh, not really a rare card. It's just with how popular it is, people are starting to see this and other cards as like as true works of art um, that they would like to add to their collection. So, we kind of turn a corner here. And uh, talk about you know how you can possibly get your hands on a uh, such an iconic card like 1952 Topps Mantle, or uh, you know I'll talk about a few others as well uh, that should be talked about a little bit um, if you're interested in uh, uh, 
going that route with your uh, with your collection. And uh, I think a lot of people don't because it's just kind of like for me personally, uh, a 52 tops male was was never uh, a possibility. Like shoot, an 86 Don Ray rookie Canseco growing up wasn't even a possibility. It was too rich for me to even dream about that card. Um, you know, it might as well have been Wagner or Mantle <laughs> uh, to me, you know. So, uh, so it really kind of took me uh, snapping out of, uh, of uh, my former mindset. And I remember having my entire Canseco collection thinking about it like, huh, I wonder what I could get if I redirected the money that I put into my Canseco collection uh, and put it into uh, uh, key vintage graded cards. And it was really fun to think about. And so I really even had to uh, research a little bit because I was like, well, what what exactly is there out there other than like the 52 Tops Mantle and the T206 Wagner? Obviously the T206 Wagner couldn't do that. Um, you know, maybe if I sold my entire collection, I found uh, somebody that would be willing to uh, to sell me one that was cut in half. Then yeah, maybe maybe I could get a Wagner like that. But you know, that's not really kind of what I want to do. The the uh, for me personally, I think that there is a tremendous amount of room for growth uh, from an investment perspective uh, when you put your dollars toward uh, low grade. Uh, key vintage cards um, that have you know, extremely beautiful eye appeal. I think I've talked about this a lot before, but um, in the past. But uh, you know, definitely not all PSA ones and twos and SGCs ones and twos are are uh, created equal. And uh, you'll have some that are like a PSA one that's like beat to death, and then you'll have another PSA one that looks beautiful on the front but might have some paper loss on the back. I love the paper loss on the back cards because um, for me, I think that's really kind of where it's at for other people down the road as well. Because um, uh, ultimately the mid-end and high-end uh, or the mid-grade and high-grade uh, vintage, they're gonna, they're just gonna get so expensive, they're gonna be out of reach um, if they're not already. And I think we're starting to see the low-grade uh, cards like that pretty soon as well. So it's kind of one of those things where I wanted to uh, get my hooks into the low grade cards as long as they look really nice. Um, so, uh, anyways, as I was saying before, um, I really kind of daydreamed a lot of times, like what could I get if I sold my collection? And so obviously one of them was a 52 tops mail. I was like, huh, I've only held one in my hand one time. That was at a card show. I remember years ago and just thought how cool it was like <laughs> to have like a piece of baseball history in my, in my hands. And it's also think about having the exact same card that uh, Evan Mathis was talking about that was on the uh, radio circuit uh, promoting, uh, you know, that he got $2.8 million for the same exact card, just in a you know, different condition. I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, but Anyway, so the other cards I was thinking about, I was like, well, uh, you know, what's, uh, what's Willie Mays' uh, rookie? Oh, it's 51 Bowman. Okay, what about Hank Aaron, 54 tops? And I remember just uh, walking on the same route right now as, uh, as I am here talking to you uh, several months ago, dreaming about these cards. Like, uh, what about a Ty Cobb? Like, what would, uh, 
T206 Ty Cobb or Walter Johnson or Cy Young or Christy Mathewson uh, run me, like uh, T205 Christy Mathewson, uh, old judge cards, the original Allen Ginner cards. And uh, it allowed me to kind of dream big as I was walking. And whenever I got back, uh, you know, started doing some research uh, whenever I got back home and, and write out kind of really specifically where I wanted to go. And uh, I found out it was doable. And uh, to, to an extent, you know, there's some cards that are just simply out of reach. And uh, you know, especially for the um, condition I want, that I want. But uh, I'll give you one example, like a... Uh, uh, 1915 Cracker Jack Shoeless Joe Jackson like that would like in any condition those cards go for crazy money and uh, you know so I may never get my hands on one which is why I'm so happy I have the 1919 W514 version of it because uh, I think it means a lot more than the Cracker Jack anyway because it was the 1919 Black Sox scandal card and you know it's got a him as a member of the White Sox as opposed to Cleveland um, and Cracker Jack. So, you know, I kind of tried to find a little, you know, small alternatives as well. And, you know, I was trying to be patient to make sure that uh, I got the right uh, card for the right price. So, you know, that's another thing. If you're looking to do this, uh, be patient and do your research. Make sure you do your homework and, and look to make sure that you're not going to overpay or anything like that. Um, uh, that helps tremendously. But uh, the main thing that I have to tell you um, in order to, uh, get into a position where you can have some of these, like, iconic cards, and like another one, uh, the T3 Turkey Red, Ty Cobb, I mean, oh, man, I love that card, it's a, a cabinet card, and it's just beautiful, but, um, is, uh, I was talking to, uh, Atticus's youth leader, um, about, uh, some of this, uh, he collects cards as well, and we were just kind of talking the other day about how, uh, how brutal it is to uh, buy blaster boxes <laughs> at Walmart or Target. You know, it's a, it's super easy. It's a super easy habit to get into. Like when I was younger, the habit was to spend 50 cents on a pack. Uh, but nowadays it's, uh, you know, after tax and everything, it's like 22 or $23. So if you do that like four times a month, um, yeah, that's a hundred dollars uh, right there. And uh, generally speaking, you're not going to, get anything to uh be excited about i mean you know some of those blasters are are brutal you might get like you know f out of those uh, four blasters you might get like uh four uh game used cards that are common players and you might get two or three color cards uh in each box but you know it's like okay what am i going to do with the rest of these now so <laughs> so if you can uh end up uh uh redirecting those funds and save them then uh, you know, after too long, you'll be able to end up buying something like a, uh, yeah, maybe like a '51 Bowman uh, Willie Mays uh, rookie card, or uh, you know, '54 Tops Aaron rookie, um, and uh, or you know, shoot, I don't know, like '68 Tops Nolan Ryan rookie, or uh, you know, '54 Tops Ernie Banks rookie, uh, Sandy Koufax from '55 Tops his rookie. I mean, there's so many uh, iconic cards out there that um, at the right grade, uh, they're gonna really shock you, um, I think, as far as how affordable they can be. Um, you know, air quotes when I say that because they're gonna be wildly more expensive than uh, a lot of other cards out there you see. But um, you know, you look at uh, 
a year of blaster box buying. I mean, if you're getting one a week, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of money. I mean, after 12 months of that, of uh, spending $100 a month, I mean, that's over $1,000. I mean, I think, uh, you know, just to give you an example, the uh, 55 Tops uh, Roberto Clemente uh, uh, rookie that I have, it's a PSA 3. Uh, it presents very nicely. And I think it was around $1,000 or less. You know, so I would much rather have that than a year's worth of blaster boxes with uh, all kinds of uh, commons and some uh, no-name players and all that. And you might get, obviously, like the... the you might hit it big and get like a one or two hundred dollar card or something, but you know, it's few and far between, obviously. So uh, you know, I like the idea of picking up these cards where they're—it's uh, not just a gamble; it's like an investment, uh, really, depending on on how much you you end up paying for them. Uh, so it's also fun to know that you have something that's like that's iconic, like in uh, 1955, for instance. I just kind of talk about that set a little more. Um, it's a beautiful set, and uh, you know you uh, you know you look back in 1955. All you have is Tops and Bowman, really. And Bowman's cool because it's got the uh, little horizontal television kind of looking uh, looking design. It's the last year for Bowman until they uh, rebooted it in 1989 under the Tops brand. But um, uh, for Tops itself, like the uh, the uh, iconic cards, really, for the most part, in that set um, are uh, the uh, Roberto Clemente and Sandy Koufax rookies. So, when you take a look at uh, nowadays, you have all kinds of uh, you know high-dollar cards. I mean, shoot, they're they're putting out like cards that are worth a hundred to thousand dollars, like seems like every day. Um, so it's kind of hard to get above the noise and have something that's that you know, feels kind of really special. Um, nowadays when you get new cards, because there's so many of them out there and that they continue to make them. That's not to say that, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that anybody needs to stay away from those at all because man, I, I love, I love the newer cards. I love the, I'm a sucker for, you know, massive patches and everything. I mean, I love those, but, um, when you look at like 1955, tops for instance like that Clemente or the Koufax like those are the ones that stood out for that year you know there's nothing else really yeah I mean you've got the 55 Bowman Mantle and you, know, you got the uh, all the other usual suspects uh, in 55 that you can get that were superstars and everything but um but like the key rookies those are the two guys uh two main guys and I think there's some more in there as well I don't even want to I don't even want to guess because I'm probably going to get it wrong and make a fool of myself <laughs> but uh, uh those are the two main ones i can think of um i'll go ahead and take a guess i think there's uh maybe killabrew was uh was a rookie in there that'd be a horrible thing for me to miss him if that's the case but uh i don't think uh mail was in 55 tops uh because i think he had a uh, contract with bowman so which by the way you won't see a 54 or 55 tops mantle uh, for that very reason if i remember correctly um I think uh, his, he went from uh, 52 tops, 53 tops, and then jumped over 56 tops, if I remember correctly. But um, anyway, so yeah, I guess a lot of it is really just kind of, uh, number one, figuring out what you want. Uh, 
and really kind of number two, I guess, also uh, ask yourself if you really do want to have these iconic cards because some people just don't. Um, for me personally, uh, I can't really kind of describe what it feels like to have some of these cards. Um, it's it's kind of hard, um, but uh, to kind of convey how I feel, but it's just kind of more of a, I don't know, more of a fulfilling or satisfying uh I uh, feel about the the hobby, I think, uh, for me at least. Um, and maybe that's just because I know they're investment pieces also. And, you know, I'm, I'm uh, happy with the prices I paid for them. So I think that helps a lot too. It's a lot better to, a lot easier to feel better about purchases that are investments that you pay for uh, good prices for. As opposed to, uh, um, you know, feeling good about uh, uh blaster boxes or you know doing the razzes and that sort of thing so uh you know again i'm not knocking anybody that does that, that does that i mean we all enjoy this hobby in different ways but um you know, for me personally i mean it's it's really it's something that's truly satisfying and fulfilling to uh, have at least a portion of my collection to be uh dedicated toward uh super key uh graded vintage uh cards and uh you know so um, that's just kind of Kind of where I'm at right now, I'm actually uh, looking at a few others um, that I'd like to add. Um, but I don't really see personally um, a lot more for me to do uh, as far as getting other uh, vintage cards. Um, I mean, and don't get me wrong, there's loads of them out there. But even now I'm paring them down because uh, some of these cards I have don't really mean a whole lot to me. Uh, when they did, as opposed to when I first got them, I was like, oh man, this is great. You know, like a, I have a 69 Tops Reggie Jackson rookie and, uh, you know, 69 Tops uh, Raleigh Fingers uh, rookie. Really, that's not, I don't know, I don't really, they don't really do a whole lot for me um, anymore for some reason. So, um, but anyway, so yeah, that's uh, the fun part is really kind of, I, I would say, is uh, um, coming up with a list of uh, cards that you would like. Look them up and uh, see what's out there, and you know, kind of find out what they cost, and maybe you can move some of the cards that you have in your own collection to uh, to fund them. And uh, you know, some people I think there's a uh, oh man, it's gonna drive me nuts. I can't remember uh, who interviewed me, but it was uh, months back. And uh, man, I wish I could remember. Uh, I think the uh, the interviewer's name is uh, is Vince. I just wish I uh, remembered his uh, his podcast uh, name so that way I could give him a shout out. But anyways, uh, he interviewed me, and then the very next day he interviewed uh, Graham Elliott. And uh, for those of you who don't know him, he's uh, he was on uh, uh, he's a very high profile chef, and he's on uh, uh, was that. Uh, Master Chef Junior, I think it is, and uh, some other shows too. But uh, you know, Holly, my wife, she loves that Master Chef Junior uh, show. But uh, he's he's on that and uh, with Gordon Ramsay and uh, Kristen something other, I think. Um, but anyways, uh, Graham was talking about how he got into uh, vintage cards, and uh, he's got like all kinds of like amazing cards, like the and really kind of his collection and mine are very similar, uh, except his is a lot broader. 
because, uh, <laughs> well, let's face it, he probably has a few more dollars than I do because he's a superstar or celebrity guy. <laughs> but um, uh, the, also another difference um, is that, you know, he doesn't really care about uh, I appeal all that much. Um, now for me, I do. It's a big deal for me. But, um, you know, so like he'll have the, the 48 leaf Jackie Robinson rookie, but it might have some tape uh, residue on the front and several creases running down the middle and stuff. And um, so don't get me wrong, there's a big market for those cards and everything. And, uh, you know, if that's uh, something that you're interested in, in, then, you know, that's a great way to start off because um, it's uh, quite a bit more cheap to do something like that as well. Um, but anyway, so, uh, you know, and maybe that's something that's going to better fit your budget as well. Um, but anyways, so yeah, another one that I want to talk about, uh, is, uh, um, probably one of my favorite cards in my collection. Uh, it's, uh, what I consider to be, uh, I call it the Candy Wagner. Um, it is the E90-2, uh, Onus Wagner from 1910. So, it was put out about the same time as the T206 Wagner. Now, uh, it's also considered to be just as rare or very close to it as the T206. But the T206 has the story behind it of how the card had to be pulled uh, from production uh, because allegedly uh, Wagner didn't want his likeness on a tobacco product um, and basically glorifying that in front of kids which, uh, you know, is kind of kind of a neat thing, um, you know, testimony to, to who he was as a person. But, um, you know, interestingly enough, on his 1948 Leaf card, uh, it shows him smoking or, or I'm sorry, uh, using tobacco. So, <laughs> which, you know, that doesn't, uh, doesn't do anything to harm the story at all. I mean, <laughs> he could still chew and still not want kids to uh, engage in that. Uh, activities with tobacco but um anyway so uh you know t206 card iconic the e90-2 card not many people know about it uh it's uh the portrait is uh based off of the same photograph that the t206 was based off of um which is a photograph that was taken by i believe his name is carl horner uh from 1903 and uh you can see little subtle differences between the two uh, portraits. But, uh, and by the way, the uh, M116 1910 Sporting Life uh, card was also used, uh, or also used the uh, uh, a portrait from that photograph. And a few others, I think there's like an E95 or something that did as well. And, uh, and I think there's also a, uh, a bread card. What was it? It's a... Uh, it's escaping me, but anyways, it's a uh, um, it's a it's a great card. It's a great portrait to have on any card, but uh, hands down, uh, the E90-2 is my favorite because uh, it's so close to looking just like the T206, except um, the portrait is flipped, and the background is this beautiful, uh, striking candy blue color as opposed to the kind of mustard yellow uh, background of the T206. And a lot of people would say, well, the T206 um, looks more like the colors of the pirates um, because of that yellow. But come to find out, the blue is actually more 
like the Pirates, what they used to wear back then. And uh, even the jersey that Wagner is wearing himself on the E90-2 card uh, is closer to what he would have worn back then than the actual D206. So, you know, it's kind of fun that uh, to know that the E90-2 card uh, has kind of a leg up, so to speak, um, in various uh, categories on the T206. Now, that T206 card has got a lot going for it. Of course, the uh, story of controversy of being pulled. Um, it's got uh, decades and decades and decades of recognition as being the number one card ever. Um, and uh, it happens to be uh, in the most popular set ever made in baseball card history, the T206 white border. So has all that to going for it. But that said, the E90-2 is just like, as far as price goes, is just like a tiny, tiny, tiny sliver of, uh, of cost compared to the T206, which is, to me, absolutely amazing. So I picked one up, uh, I want to say a few months ago, and gosh, <laughs> so super pumped that I was able to get it. So I would recommend uh, you taking a look at that as well. Um, great card. It's one of those things where, okay, maybe we can never get a T206 uh, Wagner, but when you have a card that looks very similar but looks better, um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's not half bad. That's not a half bad alternative. So, anyways, those are my thoughts for tonight. Um, if you have any questions for me uh, or even want to be on the show and just kind of uh, be interviewed, um, if you're like a heavy collector, super collector, have some inter interesting stories, um, you know, let me know. Uh, Twitter, you can get me at uh, TamMBBFan. Uh, email, TamMBaseballFanGmail.com. My website address is TamMBaseballFan.com. Uh, you can buy my book on Amazon, Confessions of a Baseball Card Addict. Um, yeah, I'm very accessible, so keep the questions coming and uh, topic ideas flowing. And, uh, yeah, hope you guys have a great weekend.